You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. If you wanted a chance to move away from DJ Moore, I think this is your chance before Thursday night. Okay. He's a very good player, but he's not in a great situation. Denver's defense made Justin Fields look like Joe Montana out there. Moore ended up with eight catches for 131 yards and a touchdown. This is DJ Moore's best fantasy day since October of last year. And that was the game where, if you remember, Zach, PJ Walker found Moore for that 62-yard touchdown in overtime to win the game. Right? You remember that? So there, there was Actually, no... There, I don't yeah, want to you off here. It's pretty hilarious. It's fine. They didn't win that game. Do you remember? Because he took his helmet off. <laughs> and then they missed the extra point and lost in overtime. It went to overtime. That's they lost. right. Do you remember that? That was hilarious. See, that's wait, they, one thing. Wait, did wait? Yes. Hold on a second. Did they they lost because of that? I thought they that was. I thought. Oh wait. Oh so. Oh, was that what made them go into overtime? Yes, it was twenty three to twenty nine. I think is what was the score was, and they scored the touchdown. So it was twenty nine twenty nine. But DJ Moore took off his helmet. They called him for a personal foul or something. You know, unsportsmanlike conduct. Pushed the kick back fifteen yards. The kicker shanked it, and then they went in overtime and lost. just a side note there because i do remember that and it's hilarious and i don't want to cause ptsd but like we have to remember that (laughs) that's a dumb rule and i i remember that game clearly it was hilarious okay so it wasn't the 62 yard touchdown in overtime okay that's good to know yeah it was at the end of the game anyway still you know garbage time it wasn't supposed to happen oh man that's so interesting that's so funny that that happened that way dude i remember that and and what a What a what a crazy finish! But if you had DJ Moore, like you were definitely happy that week for sure. Um, yeah, because a sixty-two yard touchdown to end the game or at happy. the end of the game, it's it's the best. Now, yeah. before this nine target game that he just had, he had a two target game, a seven target game, a six target game. And that's not really going to get it done. Those are high target shares, by the way. The seven targets and six targets are close to thirty percent target shares. Okay, so that just tells you how much the Bears pass the ball. Um, outside of this Denver game where Justin Fields threw the ball for 334 yards and four touchdowns. Fields is averaging 175 yards passing and one passing touchdown. Okay, I'm taking advantage of what came out of this Denver game if I can. He had that garbage time touchdown in Kansas City in week three with like three minutes left in the game, four minutes left in the game, whatever it was. Moore does have Washington coming up, Okay, which is a decent matchup. He has a great matchup against Minnesota, but I rather use these good matchups as selling points then try to squeeze more production from him, okay? I think that a lot of people are worried about this passing offense, but when you kind of sell them on the idea of two good matchups coming up, it's easier to sell, okay? I wouldn't want to, you know, go and, like, you know, try to take advantage of these matchups, the risk being that, A, he doesn't come through, okay? And then, B, once these good matchups are done, what's the appeal, right? The appeal would only be there if DJ Moore ends up killing it in these two games also, right? So, you know, he's sitting at the wide receiver 17 right now with 15.4 fantasy points per game, while his expected fantasy points is sitting at 10.8 fantasy points per game. Okay, that ranks 49th among wide receivers. So that discrepancy tells you that he's overproducing right now. Let's remove week one. Let's let's, Let's say that you have an argument that they needed time to gel. Okay, he only had, I think, two targets in that game. Wide receiver 10 in fantasy points per game uh, at 18.9 if we remove that game. But still, the wide receiver 30 
in expected fantasy points per game at 13.4. Okay. So Moore is profiling more as a wide receiver three than a wide receiver two right now. And I think he might be viewed as a wide receiver two. Um, so you might be able to get a little bit of value out of him after his big game. Yeah. And you talk about the wide receiver three, wide receiver two conversation. I think that's right on the money because you look at the game log, you have those. Not only do you have the game log, you can look forward two games and say he has good matchups coming up, but you also look back two games and it looks like the horrific week one was corrected, you know, based on just the fantasy point output that he's had. But what gets masked is the fact that last week, the week before, I should say, not last week, because last week was against technically the Broncos. But when they played the Chiefs, uh, you mentioned it, the late touchdown saved the day. There wasn't a whole lot going on for him in that game otherwise. I think this is a really good spot to sell uh, DJ Moore. You're not going to be able to move him, I think, after this next week. I mean, it's a decent matchup, but his value isn't going to be much higher than it is right now. You talk about that perceived value. You look at the volume that he's getting. It's not going to be enough to keep up like you mentioned, in the past three weeks, he's averaging 18.9 points per game. It's just not going to be there. It's not going to be enough. And this was a concern coming into the season. Uh, I don't want to come out. I don't want to go back and say, like, oh, well, we were right because he's having a decent season so far. But you look at the way he's producing, it's pretty much matching the concern that we had. You know, we talked about him. I talked about him on the bust episode. I said, is there going to be enough quality targets going his way on a weekly basis for him to be consistently performing? And it might be working out so far, but we know that these things tend to regress to the mean where the volume, you know, that's king. So if he's not getting the volume that he needs, he's going to eventually regress. And at this point, especially like you said, against the Broncos, they did everybody a big solid here and they made him sellable, DJ Moore. So I'm with you on this one. And it's pretty hilarious because I did this last time when we did our buy with Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb. I'm staying on the same team here. And I'm going to say that you should sell Justin Fields. Now, there's a caveat to this. I talked about the immediate takeaway from the game this past week, you know, obviously against the Broncos. I thought the immediate takeaway was that you should sell Justin Fields. But I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because I just want to help you imagine for a second what holding on to him could look like. Now, I'm not saying you should be buying him, but if you have him and you like what you saw, against the Broncos, and it's easy to like what you see against the Broncos. Like, I just want to paint a little picture here. I'm going to play devil's advocate. He's actually been relatively serviceable this season, and he finally has a performance that you can build on, right? So he's averaging 18.2 points per game over the first four games, and that places him as a high-end QB2. So he's not completely off the radar. It's not like we drafted him high. We did. And he's not performing for you at all. It only stings as bad as it does to see him underperform because we drafted him so high. But he hasn't gone full Daniel Jones on us and thrown up a six bomb in the game log. So that's got to count for something, right? I think you should definitely be fielding offers for him and using him in negotiations. And that's why I have him as a sell. But it's, and that's especially if you can move up a few legs, uh, pegs at QB. Targeting a guy like Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy wouldn't be a bad idea. I think you could go get them if you want to add security with some upside versus the volatility of fields. But you look ahead with what the Bears have coming up. We saw what Justin Fields just did in a good matchup. And like I said, we're taking this all with a grain of salt because it was the Broncos. But you look ahead, the next four weeks, he's got four straight matchups against teams currently ranking inside the top 10 for the most points allowed to QBs this season. That's the Commanders, the Vikings, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Imagine he gets things going. Like, if he starts throwing, if he keeps throwing like he did last week, if he gets a little bit going in the ground game, could we see a midseason breakout like we did last year? Like, And again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's something worth considering here because have you been left out to dry yet by Justin Fields? 
No, I don't think you have, besides maybe week one. He's got a good slate of games coming up. I think if things start clicking, and I'm not saying they're going to, like I said, the, the Bears are all kinds of messed up right now, but they can score points. I think Justin Fields could be better than a lot of people are thinking he's going to be just based off what we've seen so far. I think that it's easy to say sell after you play the Broncos, but I look ahead and I'm thinking maybe it's not such a bad idea to hold on to him. I, I totally understand that. Um, I would say that if you have a good deal on the table, take it. I would say if you want to start another quarterback over him, do it. Like, uh, you know, CJ Stroud, Brock Purdy, these guys, Matthew Stafford, yeah. even like, Definitely. I'm cool with it. Um, especially if he gets Cooper cut back, if not, maybe Justin Fields is still the start, but you know, good matchups. Like you said, I wouldn't, I would, a lot of people are asking me if they should just drop him. And I, the answer every time is no, right. right. You got to stash him at this point at the very least. Um, there are people dropping Justin Fields. I see it all the time. People are picking back, picking that him back, back up away. and. Yeah, I mean, there's too much upside here, guys. Okay. Um, so sell him if you can. And like you said, man, like if anything, you know, you if you keep him and he does his thing against these good matchups, it all comes down to the rushing for me. You know, if he starts right. killing it in the passing game in these good matchups, it wouldn't surprise me because that's how a lot of these quarterbacks are getting it done against these crappy NFL teams. But at the end of the day, if Justin Fields gets that design rushing attempts up, it was at 10% again this past week, man. Like, that's not what we want. We need it to be right. higher. Um, that's my concern. So if it doesn't go up, it, it was really, really, and I talked about it on Instagram last week, where the design rushing attempts went up from 10 to 20 to 32, and then went back down to 10 again <laughs> this past week. So it's like, you know, we were, we were almost there. We were almost there, Zach. And I'm hoping that he can go back up because if it does, that's really where, where, where all the value is. Yeah, 100%. And just one thing, too. Was it last year? I think it was last year. The Bears played the Commanders on Thursday night. <laughs> and that's when Justin Fields started looking like a QB1. He had his first top 12 performance. And this is just obviously lore pretty much at this point. But... First top 12 performance against the Commanders on Thursday Night Football. I remember that. <laughs> and after uh -oh. that, he went on a streak. So not saying it's going to happen, but just something worth mentioning. Because I remember seeing this in the schedule. I was like, didn't we just play this game? Because everybody, this they're doing the same thing this year that they did last year. They're complaining about the Commanders and the Bears on Thursday Night Football. They're like, what are they doing, the schedule makers? And I, re I recognize them like, this was the Justin Fields breakout game. So just throwing it out there. I'm not a Justin Fields apologist or hype man but i'm just saying just a fun fact <laughs> hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love it. I have another sell. And this one feels a little bit like low-hanging fruit because Romeo Dobbs right now, I think he's a sell because Christian Watson role is going to increase as time goes on. But it's the truth about Romeo Dobbs. You know, he's put up a season high, 38% target share and 41% air yard share. Coincidentally, in Watson's first game of the season, 
but that was with Watson on the field for just 48% of routes. And Watson's going to be ramped up these next few weeks. So Romeo Dobbs, he's had the target share in more games than not. He's been the leader for the Packers. But Dobbs' workload is going to presumably decrease as everybody gets healthier around him. Not to an insignificant level. Like Dobbs isn't going to just disappear into the distance. But enough that saying he's reached peak value on the year right now in week four, I don't think that's a crazy statement. You know, at this point, you can leverage that relative mystery that's been hanging around the Packers offense. Last week, it was Dobbs. It's Jordan Love's go-to guy. But then two weeks before, it was Jaden Reed. So there's a chance that Dobbs and Watson, they're both solid fancy wide receivers, and neither takes over as wide receiver one. But there's only one receiver in the room that can dominate target share once they're healthy. I think that's going to be Watson. Not to mention that Aaron Jones also getting healthier. He'll be mixed in on passing downs. We saw him get a 15% target share back in week one when he pulled it was I think it was like I'm not sure it might have been week two but regardless you have two guys who are going to get targets in this offense getting healthier who haven't been part of the offense Dobbs has looked better this season than he did last year you know we talked about him not being the most talented guy in the world but he has a connection with Jordan Love but when you have a playmaker like Christian Watson coming back and a nice reliable receiver and Aaron Jones coming back Dobbs isn't going to be able to hold on to the utilization that he's had these first four weeks. I, I just don't think that's going to continue on a regular basis. So I would maximize his value right now, move him for a receiver. Like I mentioned before, Drake London, I think if you put Dobbs and another side piece into a deal, you could go get Drake London right now pretty easily. And I'd be very happy if I could do that. You might be able to get a one for one, man. <laughs> I, I can see that happening. I, mean, certainly. Yeah, I, I might, I, I might start that. there. I might start there and see what happens because some people might look at, london is like not startable and they look at what dobbs has been doing and they're like all right well i'll throw dobbs in my lineup and honestly i'd rather start dobbs right now too so this might Mm -hmm. be a situation where dobbs can do his thing now it's interesting because dobbs his target share has gone up you know from weeks two to week three and then from weeks three to week four 38 percent target share last week 26 percent the week before those are two very very good target shares 24 percent for the season so is Dubs turning into a target earner, right? That's the question that I have here, right? And, you know, week one and week two does not help his case. 19% and 13%, right? That's below the wide receiver three thresholds. So those are the situations. That's what I'm looking at. Now, in those two games, he was under, you know, he was not at a full-time role, right? He was under 80% route participation in those two weeks. But when he did get that full-time role above 85% route participation, 26% and 38%. So I'm, you know, is, is there a world where both him and Christian Watson end up doing their thing and they're both startable? Like you mentioned, like you alluded to a little bit. Yeah, I think it is possible. So um, if I can get an upgrade, the way that I'm doing with dubs is that I don't think people are viewing him as like a legit standalone piece that gets started every week. So he is like the, he's a classic, like package him up with somebody to upgrade. Right. And, and I probably sound like a broken record whenever I say that kind of stuff, because like, but those are the only type of trades that I like to do. Like, to be honest with you, Um, the only time I do the opposite is when I'm struggling and I need to break down one stud into two pieces that are startable and that's only when i'm desperate so i think he's that guy who you package up if you're going to move him right now but there is a world where he ends up you know still being a top 36 wide receiver potentially now if you guys aren't signed up with underdog fantasy right now and you think you know fantasy you're making a mistake all the fantasy knowledge that you apply to your weekly lineups can win you money by playing underdog pickums how does it work 
you go pick a few players you like or you don't like this week. You choose higher or lower, and then you stack them up into one entry for a chance to 20 extra entry amount or more. And that's new. And I'll talk about that here in a second. And right now, new users will get one of those picks for free. It happens to be Justin Fields for Thursday night. He needs only one yard in any way possible. And you have one of those picks fully taken care of for you on your way to 10x or 20x or even 30x or 40x your entry. Maybe Sam Howell higher than one and a half passing touchdowns against the Chicago defense. Maybe Brian Robinson over 63 and a half rushing yards. Terry McLaurin, if you choose him to score a touchdown for you this week, you get an even bigger multiplier on that pick. Okay, I have this set of five pick Zach. Justin Fields scoring a rushing touchdown. Brian Robinson over 63 rushing yards. Terry McLaurin over a half a touchdown, so him scoring a touchdown. Sam Howell more than one and a half passing touchdowns. And Khalil Herbert scoring a touchdown. If I throw in 100 bucks on that and I hit, it'll pay out $5,600. That's 56X, okay? So by the way, New users also get the first deposit doubled up to $500. And in order to get the Justin Fields pick and your first deposit doubled, just use code UPPERHAND when you sign up on the Underdog Fantasy app. You can go to underdogfantasy.com or you can click the link in the, in the description of this episode and use code UPPERHAND. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. If you could just take a minute out of your day to go subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app on your phone, that would mean the world to us. It would make so much of a difference. You have no idea. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow talking quarterbacks and running backs going into week five. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 